Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. But I want you to see something. The only time that word is used is right there in verse 27. And out of pity for him, the master, God's compassion, God's compassion. So we now see it playing out in our own life that our forgiveness was driven by his compassion. Should we not have that kind of compassion on other people? Sometimes the church is the messiest place in the world, friends. Some of the stuff I hear about so-and-so said this about so-and-so, and they march off. I think sometimes God thinks, you know, he doesn't have a church, he's got a preschool. Or a kindergarten class. And yet we don't see what God has given us and what he's forgiven us of. And we take one offense and we march off rather than pursue reconciliation as the scriptures tell us. Turn to Matthew 20. It's right probably one page over. Jesus is going to heal two blind men. Look at verse 29. And this they went out of Jericho. A great crowd followed him. Verse 29, verse 30. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, there's that Greek word, splanknizomai, always used of Jesus or something he's relating about the Father with the exception of one case I'm going to show you in a minute. Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Think about what we've led up to now, the compassion of God in the forgiveness of our sins in healings that take place. God, I was that person. You were that person. We were spiritually blind. Sometimes we want to see a miraculous healing, a blind person, and that happens like I shared last week in a story. But what about our spiritual blindness? That is just as big of a miracle to be born again and to have our eyes open to see clearly what God now sees. Totally. Totally. So we see this happening over and over by the compassion. Only 11 times you're going to see it in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're not going to see this verb form anywhere else. And we see that Jesus became poor so that you and I would become rich. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. That's powerful when we think about it. So we see all of this unfolding, right, in Jesus' ministry. 
I want you to see his model for compassion now. I want you to see his model for compassion. Jesus, if anything, shows us the heart of the Father, right? Sometimes we forget that. What does it look like for the Father's heart? And in John chapter 14, verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And yet all through Jesus' ministry, we're seeing the heart of the Father played out because they're working in unison. And the same heart that the Father has is the same heart Jesus has. Now, turn to Luke 15, and I want you to see this one. Because we see this Greek word, once again, splonknizomai. Splonknizomai, again, only used by Jesus or of Jesus or of our Heavenly Father and the compassion He has. You're not going to find the verb form anywhere else in the New Testament. It's almost as if the gospel writers, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, coined this word just for this, to show the power and the force of God's compassion. Now, in Luke 15, we don't need to rehash this because we've been over it before, but Luke 15 we call the lost chapter. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and there's a lost son. And the whole thing that triggered this, Jesus launching into these stories to try and highlight the heavenly truth behind it and what God's heart really is, is in the first verses. You always have to ask, what is the context? Why is Jesus saying what he's saying? Why three in a row concerning a lost item and something found? Why would he have to go into three stories in order to explain that? Because he was driving home a point that God rejoices in the fact that when somebody's lost and they come home, he rejoices in that. Now look at verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Who was drawing near to him? Say I was. <laughs> New Creations has no problem. We were. These were people that, like Matthew, one of the disciples Jesus called, that were totally corrupt to the bone, and they skimmed off. They were backstabbers to their own people, the Jewish people, and they brown-nosed Rome. So we're all drawing near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. This is the reason why Jesus has to tell this. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. This is so relevant for the church today, you guys. Because sometimes we forget where we came from. We forget we were that tax collector. We forget we were that sinner until Jesus dined with us. And so it's the self-righteous people, the ones who think they're right before God, but they're all wrong. So now watch this. He tells the story of the lost sheep. You know, the shepherd's going to go out and find the one. He'll leave the 99 to go get the one. Uh, the woman who loses the one coin, she had 10, finds the coin, and there's rejoicing. But here's where the key of the story is. In verse 11, there was a man who had two sons. That tells you right there that those two sons you need to pay attention to. One is going to be the self-righteous Pharisee and the scribe. 
that Jesus is driving this point home, and the other one is going to be the sinner and the tax collector. Now look at me. I'm not going to read the whole story, but I'm going to tell you that the one son goes to his father. He says, Dad, I want my inheritance. And basically his motives were all for sin. The guy was, you know, like bent on evil, bent on darkness. All he needed was the resources to go to Vegas. All he needed was the resources to go live a wild life. That's all he needed. That's the only thing that was hindering him. Dad gives him the inheritance. He goes out and he makes a mess of his life. Prostitutes, wild living, everything. He just makes a total mess of his life. Now, how would you respond? Most people would say they deserve that. That's what most people would say. But that isn't the heart of the Father. Part of the Father isn't God knows what we deserve. That's what's so amazing. He knows what a sinner deserves, but he doesn't act on that. He acts the opposite. He says, rather than give them what they do deserve, I'm going to give them what they don't deserve, and that's fellowship with me, eternal life, complete forgiveness of their sins. And it's his compassion for you that was stuck. So he says, I'm out of resources. In fact, he blew everything. No credit, no nothing. He had to eat the pig's pods even. He was starving. Couldn't even buy a ham sandwich or one of those microwave burritos at 7-Eleven. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, how many came to your senses before in your sin? like woke up one morning and said, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I living this way? Why am I throwing everything away? Why am I throwing my family away? Why am I throwing my children away? Why am I throwing my career away? See, it took me in the Bay Area, right, one step from being homeless. I was one step from homeless. Zell was gone. I was one step from pushing a cart on the streets, and I came to my senses. He said, man, I'm going to try this Jesus that Griselle is talking about. And that's what happened. So, look, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Look at the humility. It's not what I deserve. I, I deserve to be in the house. My last name is the same as your name. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Look at the humility there. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and what? Splunknizomai. That deep use of God and use of Christ. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned again. So there's repentance that goes on. Father doesn't hold anything against him. In fact, he gives him the robe, the ring. He's restored to even his sonship after blowing all of his inheritance. Talk about the compassion of God and seeing somebody in the midst of their suffering and sin. And God responds that way to us. Turns you from a sinner to a saint. Brought you from the mire to the choir. 
even though he needed a check up from the neck up and beat up from the feet up. He does those things, though. That's God. There's nothing like him. And Jesus is telling these Pharisees, telling this story, Pharisees, that look, he's gone to eat with sinners. Wait, let me tell you what my father's heart is and why. You read the story on, you're going to find the older brother doesn't want anything to do with the party. Doesn't want anything to do with any of that. Nothing. Why wouldn't the brother be rejoicing? Why wouldn't the brother say, man, he's alive? They grew up together. They played together. They had toys together. Bar mitzvah together. They trained together. And really, you're going to treat your brother that way? Because our Father welcomes him totally into the home. Turn to Luke 10, go a few places back. And this is the last one I want to bring to you in closing. And you guys know the story. You've read it. You've heard it. You've seen it played out in plays. The parable of the Good Samaritan. It's another story Jesus tells. But look who he's speaking to in verse 25. And behold, the lawyer, those weren't like attorneys that we have now. These were people that were educated in the Word of God. And they were the ones in charge of making the decisions and interpretation of the Word of God. They were as close to the Word of God as anybody could be. But in the Jewish culture, they had things like, hey, we're good with our brothers, our Jewish brothers, but Gentiles are dogs, non-Jews. Samaritans are even worse because they're half-breeds. When Assyria came in in 722 B.C. and destroyed the northern ten tribes, Assyrians left some of their own people to intermarry with the Jewish people, and out of that came what is called the Samaritans. So the Jewish people said, they're not real Jews, they're Samaritans, they're half-breeds, they belong nowhere near our God. So the Jews in that day were good at that. Samaritans they despised. So saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? In other words, what's your interpretation? He answered, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbors yourself. Now, does that sound familiar? Because Jesus said those were the two greatest commandments, right? Well, he says the same thing. But Jesus knows there's something amiss because this guy is going to define who his own neighbor is and Jesus is going to tell him who his neighbor really is. What do you mean love your neighbor as yourself? And said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself. See that? We all do that, don't we? We justify ourselves. And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, but a Samaritan, 
as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had what? Splonchnizomai on him. Jesus uses that word again. Only used of Christ movement when a miracle meeting somebody's need or when he's speaking about God. In the forgiveness in the parable, the unforgiving servant, now the good Samaritan. He had compassion, verse 34, and when he went up, bound him with his wounds. See, this is what compassion is. This is what I'm telling you. Compassion has wheels. Doesn't say he had empathy for him. Doesn't say he had sympathy for him. Doesn't say he felt sorry for him. It says he had compassion and he went to him and bound up. See, that's what compassion does. Bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. In other words, he used his own resources. Next day, he took out two denarius, gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him and Whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Now, I want you to understand, this conversation isn't taking place just between them two. There's others that are listening there. That is why the lawyer was testing him. And so he's testing him. How would you like to answer this question that Jesus Asked, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? How would you like to answer that in front of your peers? Mr. Intellectual Bible Knowledge Dude. You got a priest that walked right by him. And I know where this place is, they say. On the way to Jericho, there was a road that led to Jerusalem, to the temple. And they have found the discoveries of an inn there. They've actually, through archaeological digging, they found an inn that was about halfway between. So when Jesus is telling this story, they're identifying with this because there were robbers that would actually rob people. But notice who passes them by. It was the church people. Who? <laughs> Look at this. He can't even say it. Can't even say it was the Samaritan. Look what he says. He said, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Why didn't he just say, well, it was the Samaritan and not the priest, not the Levite? See? And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Now watch this. Every time you see this word used, splunk, exactly, Nizamai is always used except in this situation of a good Samaritan helping out the man who was in need. Isn't that interesting? The Word of God fascinates me with these things. You know, I think I may have even shared this with you, but somebody, God put me in check years ago when we first started we were doing a lot of ministry, and maybe I had compassion fatigue at the time. We didn't have a lot of staff at that time. There was actually two of us that worked at the office. There was Rose, who was the secretary and children's ministry director and everything else. The staff was running new creations. I was doing church business, and we had ministered to a lot of people. We just started Kitchen with a Mission like six months. It's now Kitchen with a Mission. We used to just call it a soup kitchen when we started 
like shortly after, it was my brother-in-law who's no longer with us. God put it on his heart to start. And there was a guy named Leonard who would come, and he was an older man. He was a vet, and he was a black man who would come and with a lot of other people. And we would feed him, and one day he showed up at the office, and Rose comes in and says, hey, Leonard's here, and he wants to talk to you. And I look through the window, and I'm like, oh, man, he's going to want more money. It was right around Thanksgiving. I mean, all the signs pointed to that, because that's usually when we get hit the most, and we don't want to ever become compassionate. We want to help those who truly are seeking help. And so I go out there, and I said, hey, Leonard, what's happening? And he pulls out his wallet, and he says, I just want to give you this to the church. It was a $5 bill. I'm surprised I recovered from that one. I mean, you talk about God, mm, you know, instead of saying, man, if Leonard has a need, I need to be there to help him, right? So God hears the cries of his people. In Exodus 3, when Moses is at the burning bush, it says, then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. God heard the cries of his people like Colonel Sanders heard the cry of the baby and was moved with compassion. God came down, had a deliverer called Moses, but there was another one promised like Moses that would rise up. Deuteronomy 18, a prophecy. One like Moses would come, and Jesus came. God heard the cries and the suffering of his people. He hears your cries and he hears your suffering today. And that's why he moved. He has compassion. He was moved with compassion to do something about it. Maybe that's you, that you need the compassion of God in the area of forgiveness. That you've never placed your faith and trust in God. And if you were to die today, you would suffer the wrath of God. But the compassion of God says, I invite you to myself. Maybe you're the one who's there that says, I need a healing in my body. Do you know that God is compassionate? Jesus was moved with compassion to heal other people. Maybe you're the one that needs a compassionate heart. We park over here at Circle K, the leadership, every Sunday morning to open up parking here. But do you know that from Circle K to here, that parking lot behind Circle K, to get from there to here, you have to walk by a whole lot of suffering people. They're right there. They now have a like a little encampment across the street. And God hears their cries. And he hears their suffering. 
And so many people drive by him and judge him and say they deserve that. They brought the suffering on themselves. Well, can that not be said about us? But God's attitude wasn't that towards us at all. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.